Welcome to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We hope to encourage you with sermons, stories, and interviews that will challenge you to grow in your faith. Enjoy. I want to talk to you about a celebrity of the Bible. You may not be familiar with him, but you might be familiar with his works. At one point he said this, he said, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The guy's name is Solomon. Another one is, train up a child will let you go, and when it is old, it won't depart from it. And we see that that's a generality. Generally, that makes sense. Another one was, uh, to everything, turn, turn, turn. There's a season, turn, turn, turn. You heard that one? He thought that the birds wrote that. Uh, no. They, they jacked it from the other jack. King Solomon. Uh, if you want to know more about this, check out First Kings. Check out, I believe, Second Chronicles. Check out his writing of Ecclesiastes and ninety percent of the Proverbs. You can check out. He was pinning those down too. He was brilliant, and he got his brilliance from God. I'll share slices of his life, and then I'll share slices of our lives. So. Put on your seatbelt. Here we go. Mm. Solomon, he was the son of King David. And he really was set up by Daddy. Daddy gave him all this money. And it was his job to build the temple of God. And he wanted to do things in the right way. But before we can get into how he did those things, we got to go back, way back. Because it all connects to another story. This story takes place in a garden called the Garden of Eden, where there was abundance. And a man and a woman, they had all the trees they could eat from. But there was this one that the divine said, no, no. Now, you can put mulch around it and whatever, but don't eat it. You understand? And one day, here's the woman, and she eats of the fruit, probably a citrus. And she partakes, and her husband's standing right there. He takes two. Now, the tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Have you heard this, Tim? Okay. Before she took and ate, she looked at the fruit. And one of the things that went through her head was that it looked, it looked good enough to make one wise. Wisdom. What is wisdom? Tim Keller says wisdom is... Knowing what the right thing to do when uh, the moral rules don't apply. So in every given situation, you have the correct answer. You know what to do. Just because you have wisdom doesn't mean that you always take that wisdom that's important to the story. Nevertheless, here they are, and they're approached by the serpent, and you can have this, and it looks good, and she eats, he eats, they go out of the garden. The next part is a guy named Abram, Abraham later on. Abram, he receives a promise from God. He says this, and you can check this out, chapter 12 of Genesis, chapter 15 of Genesis. The whole basis is... God wants to bring this idea of the garden back. And he wants to bring it through somebody. Now, God had already told Adam and Eve, listen, there's going to be one who's going to come from you, woman, from you. And he's going to come and he's going to right all the wrongs. Okay, paraphrasing. But then, then, 
We get to a guy named Abram years later, and this guy, God finds something in him. He says, I'm going to do it with you. And um, for the most part, Abraham's doing great. By faith, Abraham, da 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 And God says, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I, know you, I, I want you and your wife from your seeds to your, your child. Boom, you're going to have an abundance, and people are going to be blessed through you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And whoever you bless, I'm going to bless. And whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them. You are going to be a blessing to the whole world. So in essence, what the blessing is, is the abundance of Eden. You know what abundance is, right? You know, it's when your child finally gets into gear and is creative and is productive. And you put those things together, boom, you've got something special, don't you? Any proud parents in here? Exactly. You put those two things together, boom, you've got abundance. Why? Because finally you're doing what you were supposed to do the whole time. Abraham and Sarai, that's his wife's name, she decides, hmm, let me look at this tree. Because everything's a tree in life. We're all up, we all have these trees. And she looks at this tree and goes, hmm, well, Abraham, you're old, I'm old. If we're going to have a baby, that needed to happen 40, 50 years ago. So I have an idea. Take my slave from Egypt, Hagar, take her, and you go ahead and have a baby with her. So, once again, we have a woman who sees a great idea, but it's not how God wants it to be done. And so she says, and the guy says, well, looks good to me. So he goes ahead and partakes of the slave, and they have a baby, and then God gives him a second chance, and that's where another baby comes through, Sarai, and then he's got to kill him, but then he doesn't. It's a whole, another day. Now we get this guy named Solomon. And Solomon, Solomon comes from the line of Abraham. And when we see this next story take place, all of us are going, oh, maybe he'll be the one to do it. Okay, so let me read this with you. This is First uh, Kings chapter 3. I'll start in verse 3. This guy, Solomon, he became king. And then he goes and makes sacrifices. Now he's already off a guy or two. Because that's just how you do things. You can't let anybody else take over your kingdom. Now he's making sacrifices to God. And he made like thousands and thousands of sacrifices. I mean, it had to have been a bloody nasty. I'm so glad I'm not partaking in that. So, verse 3 says this. Solomon loved the Lord. So stop right there. Hardly ever in scripture do you finally see where it says somebody loved God. So often you see where God's love shines to other people. But here specifically it says Solomon loved the Lord. That's important. Check this out. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. Okay, so we'll go down to uh, verse 4. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And Gideon, the Lord, appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being approached by God in a dream? And God says, whatever you want, I'm going to give you. Alright. This is his response. 
And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Which is kind of funny. He's like, look at all the things you've done, God, to my father. And now you've set me up, you know. Woohoo, look at this. This is great. And then, this is the next words. And this is what you've got to hold on to. He says this. And you have kept, okay, verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Which is... Which is a subtle nod back to Moses when he's like, hey, I'm getting old. I can go in and out for you guys anymore and lead all these people, the children of the Hebrew people. So here comes Joshua in the scene. Now he can go in and out for the people. Do you understand this? Solomon is saying, I'm a kid. How am I supposed to know these things? I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this on my own. Look at all these people. There's, there's too many. So we'll continue. And now, O Lord, you have made your servant king of the place. I'm a little child. I do not... I do not know how to go in or out. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, great people, too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between, here it is, good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And then God says, hey, because you didn't ask, wealth, because you didn't ask for a long life, because you didn't ask for X, Y, and Z, guess what? Because you chose the greater, I'm going to give you all of that too. Do you know the story? We're pretty loud. In fact, if we just need to cut me off, that might work too. Okay, so, here it is. Look at this one. Solomon is back into the garden. He has an abundance all around him from his daddy. And then in a dream, here comes this tree. And God says, what do you want from the tree? And it's as if Solomon is getting ready to reach out. And he goes, you choose. And God says, I can work with that. Because you didn't ask for the wealth, because you didn't ask for the gold, because you didn't ask for this popularity, the praise to be a celebrity... I'm going to give you all that too. And if you obey my commandments, I'm going to give you long life. So a couple things that Solomon had was peacocks. Did you know that? Yeah. He knew about trees. That's funny. Trees, 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 trees. He, um, he had uh, apes. He had lots of gold. In fact, he was in charge of building the temple for God, God's house at that time. And so he had all his dad's money, but also he had another king from a distant, another country be like, yeah, I'm going to support your campaign. Have at it. And so you start to see this guy have abundance. And from having abundance, everyone else starts to have abundance. It's said that everyone, everyone had their own fig tree and had their own vine. You know what that is? Everyone was doing well. It was a time of peace. Daddy was back in charge, and it was a time of war, man of war, blood on his hands. He can't build the temple, but this guy, it's a time of peace. There's a lady, uh, I don't know her first name, she comes from Sheba, right? Queen of Sheba, she's coming up from the Africas, and here she is, and she's like, I want to hear. And I don't just want to hear, I want to see. 
what is this Solomon all about? And by the time she gets done with all the tours with this guy, she finally realized half hasn't been told. She's like, man, I heard this about him and this about him and this about him. He's exceeded my expectations. He answered every question because he had all the wisdom, right? Now, as we're looking at him, we're going, yes, yes, yes. Finally, finally, someone is approached with a tree. And they look at the tree and they go, no, God, you choose but just because you have wisdom, oh man, doesn't mean you always abide by your own wisdom. So if there was a coin and Solomon's face on it, the other side would be, uh, well, the not so good part of Solomon. And throughout his story, we start to get bits and pieces of this. The problem with being overly wealthy, as if I know what that problem is, the problem with being overly wealthy is, if I were to, to imagine this, you'd probably get bored. You'd probably get bored. When you have everything at your fingertips, what, what are you going to do? You can only do so much for so long. You can only build so many houses. In fact, he built uh, a couple of storehouses. Uh, he had a navy, but the navy was just to transport his gold. <laughs> what? I mean, this guy, ah, I can't get it. I mean, this is incredible stuff. Okay. So he had the navy, he had these storehouses. But then he starts to, um, like, he starts to marry. And he doesn't just marry one person. He marries 700. Can you imagine that? 700. Ah. What? Seven, 700. 700. There's reality TV shows like five. <laughs> 700 people. 700. And then he has 300 girlfriends on the side. Okay. Or be politically correct. Partners. Really? You're trying to partner with one person in life. You're trying to partner with seven hot. You, you see how things aren't. Okay. The problem with this isn't so much that he wants to, you know, make babies. The problem is God set up in Deuteronomy chapter 17 some rules and regulations if you're going to have a king. I used to think, oh, they weren't supposed to ever have a king. No. God had a plan probably for them to have a king. The problem is, once again, Israel as a nation, they go up to a tree and say, ah, we'll choose for ourselves. You see this? So they choose Saul. He's the tallest guy. And God says to Samuel at that time, they didn't reject you, they, they rejected me. So back to Solomon, my apologies. Solomon was supposed to follow just a few rules. Here are the rules. One of them is, don't go back to Egypt. Let me put it another way. Don't trade with Egypt. Check it out. Check out the kings. Check, check out those, these chapters. Uh, he starts to trade with Egypt. He, he starts to get uh, horses and chariots and, and, and whatnot from Egypt. Now, why is this such a big deal? Uh, think of it in, in modern terms. He's, he's getting arms. He's getting tanks and jets from Egypt. Now, God had brought these people out of Egypt, all right? Out of the slavery, out of... He liberated them. We're finally out of that oppression. You look at the wordage. He built storehouses. The only, but the only other time you see that in the Bible, check it out. Exodus chapter 1. What did, what did Pharaoh do? Build storehouses. You, you want to know what Solomon started to do? So, so one thing he wasn't supposed to do was pray with Egypt. Sorry, I should say that. Another thing I was supposed to do was not have any wives. Like, that is actually in the, if you're going to be a king, you can't have a lot of wives. 
What's he do? He totally disregards that. And then later on, what he's supposed to do is he's supposed to have all the laws written down. He's like he's supposed to have his own manuscript, and he's supposed to go over it. Almost like on the daily, like recite it, stand in front of the mirror, rehearse it, so it doesn't leave you. So you have your heart's connected to God, not just by your love, but also by your will and your actions. So he starts to marry all these people. So he's politically, he's trying to make connections, and he's building up. But here's the point that gets me. He starts to enslave people from other, from other nationalities. You know what we start to have? We start to go back to Egypt. We now once again have a pharaoh in the making on our hands. Now this was all in a time of peace. But you, you, you look at all the fine little details and you start going and you start going, oh no. No, 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 not, not him too. No, come on, no, we were doing so well. Oh, come on, no, no. Because you and I, and everyone else, we want, we want the blessing to come back. We want the abundance to not just happen to us, but we want it to happen to everyone. And the problem is, is these people can never find somebody to actually do it to completion. There's never a person who finally does it all the way, where it's full, where it's, it, it's capped off. So here's Solomon. He stands in front of the tree. He says, God, you choose. And we look at that and we go, he's the wisest man ever. And that is true. But at the same time, because he's the wisest of the wise, he's also the fool of all fools. Because he knew better. There's one thing about a kid um, doing something wrong, we call that sin, doing something wrong, and they didn't know it. They were ignorant to it. There's a big difference between that and you and me knowing that it's wrong, and we still do it. Can you imagine being the wisest person in the room every time? Every time you have the answer, you know. You get every butt of the joke. Like You, you understand everything that everyone's talking about. That doesn't necessarily mean you always want to abide by it. And here's a guy, once again, who gets wrapped up by some woman, multiples, the women's, and he even starts building altars. And these altars are not towards his God. These altars are towards all these other nations' God. And uh, it never says it, but you read some of the gods that he started building altars to, and I'll tell you what, when his heart started turning to those gods and his heart started turning away to him from his own Yahweh God, I wonder, I really do, I wonder if he started practicing child sacrifice. He never says it. But I start to wonder how far, how far do, does a person who's overly wealthy go? How far do they chase an idea of beauty where they're finally taking life, not just in impressing people and enslaving people, but actually making sacrifices to demonic forces. King Solomon, congratulations. Here he is. You and I are not far from him. The richest people in the 1920s, the overly wealthy, you and I have it way better than those people. I really enjoy central heating and air. I know this sounds so simple, so little, but an air fryer, you know, I said that this is so silly, it's so silly, 
power steering. So what am I saying? Is it two-day shipping? And if I order in the next five hours and 11 minutes, you know what I'm saying? We live in the land of abundance. We just do. That's just how it is. There's other parts of the world they don't, but we do. We have ridiculous amounts of blessing. God says, if, if, if you humble yourselves and then turn away from your wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. All of that. I'm talking about the individual, though, right now. The, in, the individual, you, every day on the daily, you are faced with a tree. On the daily, you're faced with, with decision trees, if you want to call it that. Decision trees. And it's up to you whether you say, hmm, this beauty looks good to me. I'm going to take it for myself. Or you can look at that and you can go, you choose God. You choose God. Now, how does that all take place? You've got to figure that out yourself. But you choose God. And when God finds a person like that, he goes, I can work with that. I don't, I'm going to say this. Right now, in this moment, I believe what I'm getting ready to say. It may change later on in life, but right now, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think, I don't believe, I don't believe the issue was Adam and Eve having the knowledge of good and evil. I don't. If, if you're in charge of ruling, okay, if you're in charge of ruling something, then you need to know in every given situation how to how to make things happen for the people you're ruling, for the animals you're taking care of. It's wintertime, it's summertime, how much water. You understand what I'm saying? You have to have discernment. And some ways to have discernment is to know if we go down that way, that's a bad decision. If we go down this way, that's a good decision. You know what that's called? Wisdom. You know what that is? The knowledge of good and evil. Are you, are you with me on that? Okay. It's not so much that they had the knowledge of good and evil. It's by the way that they did it. God said, don't get it from here. I wonder if God, at one point, was going to teach them. You know, every day he came down in the coolness of the day, and he walked with them. You know what that means? It means friendship. You sang about it earlier, right? He calls me friend, right? Here it is. God is walking with, with mankind in this garden, in this full abundance. And what takes place? They finally go, hmm, I have all of this, but, but, but that, that, that's what I want. I have a friend. Uh, he is... He's parenting. He's got like a three-year-old, right? And um, he, he says this, I'm switching up my parenting. So question, how often did you switch up parenting in the young years? Is it true that each kid's different? Okay, so okay. So right now his three-year-old is like, man, I can't get the kids. He's going to try something else. So I guess he's trying to talk it out with them. Maybe that's going to work. I don't know. I don't want to parent. But he, said, he says this. He, he takes his, his son, Beckham is his name. He says, he says, Beckham, okay, you can do it my way, uh, and this is what will happen, or you can do it your way, and this is what will happen. Now, Beckham, do you want to do it your way, or do you want to do it my way? And every time Beckham goes, I want to do it my way. All right? It's just like, that's, that's, every, so every time, every time in life, you are faced with these trees, and the challenge for us is to say, you choose. Here's what happens. Whether you choose your way or you choose to withstand your hand and choose God to choose, the people around you are affected every time. That's the issue. 
I do care about you and your own decisions, but more than that, I care about you and the decisions you make because it affects people around you. And if it affects people around you, I guarantee it's going to start affecting people that I care about. And if it affects people that I care about, then I sure am convinced that I'm concerned about your decisions because it affects my community that I live in. Are you with me on this? So every decision you make to grab the fruit or to attain your hand and say, God, you choose. God, you give me the wisdom, the knowledge of good and evil, how to discern things. Because I'm just a child. I can't do it on my own. Every time you choose him to decide, I'm telling you, it helps bless everyone around you. What do I mean by blessing? I mean it brings productivity and creativity around you. And through you, other people will be blessed. No human being has ever been able to fully do this until we get to Jesus, who's from the line of David, who's from the line of Solomon, who's from the line of the devil. His name is Jesus. And Jesus was at one point faced with the decision tree. And it was very, very rugged, or so we sing. <clears throat> and Jesus walked around that tree a thousand times, going, Father, if there's any other way for us to, for us to get to, 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 if there's any other way to get the blessing to all these other people, for the abundance, for the garden to come back, and, and everyone to have their place, and everyone have their own tree, and everyone have their own vine, and to be full and to be what, what it's supposed to be the whole time. Is there any other route we can take to get there? Oh boy. You see what I'm saying? And it didn't just happen in that garden. Every, you look at every story of Jesus' life, every moment. And Jesus is the one that said, Oh, you like Solomon? Well, there's one greater than Solomon, and he's here. He's talking about himself. We're going to take communion. I'm thankful for, for the one who not just once, but on the daily, every time, every time, passed the test. That when his father said, son, I said before you, whatever you want. And Jesus goes, now nah, you choose. And his father goes, well, you know, if you choose my way, you're going to die. That's the irony. All the other places in the Bible, God says, Solomon, you choose my way, I'll give you long life. I'll let your children live long life. I'll, I'll let your people have blessing and everyone around you. Hey, Jesus, you, you, you choose my way, you receive death. You receive darkness. You, you receive full shame. You receive full humiliation. You, 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 receive, you receive it all. So the one person who actually chose the correctly every time received exactly the opposite of what God promised. Until three days later. So that's what we celebrate. Because of what Jesus did in front of this tree. Every time. That gives us what we call it, a second chance. It doesn't give us a second chance. It, it, it gives us a hope and a future that because he made the decision that we receive the benefits and the abundance off his wake. So let me pray with you. And then after we take communion, we've got five more minutes in the circle. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you, Lord. As we as we remember what Jesus did for us as he was faced with this great decision, help us to have a heart full of thanksgiving. Because finally, yes, 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 there was one who could do what we couldn't do. And thank you that we're the benefactors of that. But help us.
us not to forget that it doesn't come from us. So that's what we want to do right now at this time. In Jesus' name. Take a moment to talk to the men in here. <clears throat> There's a proverb about uh, a quiver that is full. And what Solomon is talking about in there is you have kids after you. And uh, some of you have decided to, to have kids yourself. And, uh, for any of us, even if you don't have kids, if you're a grandparent, you won't have kids one day. Regardless, the influence that you have, I, I really believe we need to take it real serious on the day to be honest and straightforward with God. God, I'm a child, and I'm trying to raise children. <laughs> help me to know good from evil, and help me to pull my hand back. In every time, let you choose what needs to happen. Unity minister. It doesn't mean nothing except for this. I have a finger on the pulse of some location of churches around us in Brevard County. And that's not all of Brevard, but I hope to one day. I want you to know that every place I've been so far, Merritt Island, now, comparison is the killer of choice, so this isn't a comparison. Stick with me. Merritt Island, we here, we have an abundance. We have a surplus. We have a surplus of sound doctrine. Now, of course I say that, right? Because I think we're right. <laughs> you check it out. Check it out. We do. We have a surplus of sound doctrine. We also have a surplus of joy. And I'm not talking about happiness with a smile. I'm talking about some of you and the stories I've heard. You have lived, you've been to hell and back. And you've come out the other side gushing with joy. And there's a remade man in there. We have a surplus of, of true, abundant, true abundant joy. There not, we have that. We also have a ridiculous amount of people who've been, I don't know, Christian educated, been to the college and back, or whatever the case. We just do. We are blessed. God has, has shined his face on this book. It feels really, really good when you come in here and it's full. I get that. But here's, here's the challenge. Whether it's 2024, 2025, or, I don't know, Ten years from now, I hope it's not that long. My hope is that not all of you go here. The reason I say that is because our purpose here isn't, yes it is to build each other up, but our purpose here is to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send workers into the harvest fields. And if you're wise and smart enough to pray that, that probably means that you're wise enough to be that. I want to challenge you with this. I want to challenge some of you to be the 20-mile missionary. 
What would it look like if you stayed connected? Because those ties are important. You need support. You, you, you need support in this. You, you need to be... You need to be sent out. But what would it look like if you had your core support here still? You had your discipleship group that you met with. What would it look like if you went somewhere else to serve? I, I'm not a big fan of programs, but sometimes they're necessary. When it comes to youth, it's very necessary. We have a surplus right here of youth ministers, but we're not all involved in youth ministry. Why? Too many chiefs, in the, you understand what I'm saying? Too many cooks and get, get. We have sister churches who have zip, zero, nada. And they're just burying people. And then the next people aren't coming up. I really want to challenge you. Pray on it. You won't be going here no more. She'll be going somewhere else as a missionary sent out. Why? Because it all goes back to the garden. Whenever, whenever Adam and Eve chose their own way, not God's way, it didn't just bring death to them, but it actually brought this unity between the two. It says that they were, were naked and they hid themselves. Who were they hiding themselves from? Well, God. But who else? Each other. Jesus prayed, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the church. And then also, we hear it that other people will know that we are Christians, that we follow the Christ, that we are all game with the Messiah. And they'll know that by through how we love one another. And through how we love one another is we meet the needs of each other. My challenge is this. Consider being the 20-minute missionary, the 20-mile missionary. You go somewhere else, and you get plugged in there. Now, don't go by yourself. you got to go with people. But who knows? Maybe they'll be, we've done this with Coco, right? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. When this kind of thing happens, also, Wing Wong, you see how old he is? I'm trying to be disrespectful. I heard him speak 10 years ago at St. Louis Christian College. He was old then. Somebody who's gonna who, who's gonna go do the work in, in Hong Kong for Wing Wong? You, you understand what I'm saying? That maybe somebody here who come next week that's gonna be the impact that you're. I don't know, but but that's the atmosphere that we're getting is that anytime a man or woman approaches the tree and said, "God, you choose," God says, "I can work with that guy. I can work with that girl." And the benefits that happen is that when your house, when your house receives blessing from God, your whole neighborhood receives the blessing. When you, as the man of the family, when you, when you choose, when you choose, everyone around you, they receive the abundance as well. And it's not always in the riches. But it's in the safety of Jesus Christ. That's my challenge to you. I want to pray with you. And then I really want to encourage you to be here next week to hear someone who has dedicated their life to Jesus. And I guarantee you, it will be inspiring. It will. Let's pray.
Our Father, thank you, Lord, that you have given us the greatest gift of choice that we get to choose. I pray every time that we choose that you make the choice. And God, I pray that that puts a smile on your face. Lord, when the women come in our lives and they take our hearts far from you, Lord, help help us to stop before that ever gets to that place. Lord, when men come into our lives and they start to draw our hearts away from you, Lord, I pray that stops away before it gets there. Lord, when the, the worries of the world When stresses, with the things that glitter, God, every everything that is so enticing that it strangles us. Lord, I pray as Jesus prayed, lead us far from that temptation. But Lord, may your kingdom come and may it be done through us. And may we have a focus of your church in Brevard County that it will be a threat to all evil. And thank you that your promise is that those gates will never prevail against it. Thank you that we get to be a part of the greatest movement ever. And thank you that we have one leader named Jesus to take us all the way home. In his name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Brevard Christian Church Podcast. We pray you are encouraged and blessed. And until next time, grace and peace to you.